Welcome to the Awakening Podcast, where we have truth tellers and not whistleblowers, where we have facts and not conspiracy theories, the podcast with solutions. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. I also found out this week that we're number one in the podcasts, so thank you all for our listeners. My guest today, it's kind of a different show, but something close to my heart, because I've experienced corruption in courts and with guards. So please welcome to the show, Tony Brady. Hello, Roy. How are you? And uh, many thanks for taking the time to allow me to come on the show and uh, have a chat about uh, my son Aaron's situation here in Ireland. So much appreciated and thank you. No problem at all. So, like, first, I mean, we like nobody is aware of the story. So you'll have to start from the very start of what exactly has happened and go through it, and we can discuss it then in detail. Discuss it. Right. Um, on the 14th of October, uh, just passed, my son Aaron was sentenced to 40 years in jail for the mother of Garda Adrian Donahue. He was found guilty on the 12th of August this year after a trial went on for nearly 10 months. How do I start with it? Um, the trial was due to start on the 8th of October uh, 2019. There was a lot of legal argument in relation predominantly to uh, American witnesses, we call them at the moment, or people who give statements in America who said that my son Aaron told them he shot a cop or he shot a guard. A uh, lot of legal argument over that. Uh, the court case didn't actually start until the 27th of January this year uh, in front of a jury. In October, we had eight books of evidence for the trial, which had been disclosed to us. By the time 27th of January came, we had nearly 50 books of evidence. So the whole disclosure package is um, obviously questionable. In relation to uh, the evidence, um, there's absolutely no physical evidence. My son Aaron was anywhere near the credit union in Lordship where Garda Donahue lost his life. That was in, I believe, it was it 2013? So Yes, 25th of January 2013. And uh, at that time, Aaron was in trouble with the uh, Ungarda Corner. He had driven cars through Dundalk while under the influence of alcohol and wrecked cars and was on the radar for the guards. He was actually going through a court case at the time and he had pleaded guilty to reckless driving and dangerous driving. And he was just... That was part of uh, how we found ourselves here. He was on the radar, so to speak. And um, I suppose if I take it from the 26th of January, the morning after Gardadon, who lost his life, Aaron and his friend were stopped at a checkpoint. And um, he told just, Sorry, just checkpoint. to interrupt, just to let people know, yes. Garda, because we've got an audience all around. The guard is the yes. police. The, the police, yes. So that they're over. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So I'll... I'll yeah, on Garda, the Garda are the Irish police force, and um, obviously they had cordoned off the area in the round where the murder and the robbery had taken place. And my son and his friend actually stayed within two kilometres of where the incident actually happened. So that in itself is is an issue we have. Uh, they came to a checkpoint, uh, they were stopped, and Aaron told lies. And um, the reason he told lies is because he was at illegal activity the night before. We live along the border and there's a thing called fuel laundering. And um, I'm not sure if people are aware of what that is. It's a, it's evading tax duty on uh, road fuel uh, as a part to um, agricultural fuel. So if people want to look up diesel laundering, they Just know making that's a few bob for himself, basically. I mean, people do yes. make some money. That's, that, that was yeah. Unfortunately, where we live, although I love where we live here on the loud Monaghan Armagh border, but um, it's a sort of a rate of passage. Some kids go to California and other young people where we live, rate of passage is unfortunately being involved in illegal activities like this along the border, whether it's smuggling or diesel diesel uh, laundering. So Aaron was involved in that. He told a lie, which didn't match up what his good friend, what his friend said. And even that, again, this is the human aspect of the case, even that in itself, you'd imagine if you're after more than a guard 12 hours previous, you'd have your story straight coming Absolutely. to a yeah. checkpoint. Well, you wouldn't so, actually go near a checkpoint in the first place. No, no, he, he could have stayed. Now, this all happened in the Republic of Ireland, and we live just uh, north of the border. Actually, if I look to my right, I have a window here. I can see three houses, and two of those houses are in the Republic. 
So he could quite easily have stayed, stayed here. He had a number of friends where he could have stayed within the north of Ireland and not go back down near where the, the murder and the robbery had taken place. So, and it just sort of escalated from there. There was some leaks into the newspaper. And within a couple of days, his pixelated picture, his pixelated picture was in the front of newspapers. And, and it just escalated from there. And uh, there's obviously the rumour mill and people believe what they see in the papers. And from that, uh, obviously, Aaron's court case was ongoing for the cars and the havoc he had caused in the dog. And he just got scared and afraid and he left for America in April 2013. And I suppose people, his, he... He was afraid. He was in a very, very bad place at that time. He actually got the phone call on a Sunday morning. He says, Dad, he says, I can't do this. He says, I, I, I just have to go. I, I, I'm, I'm not hanging about. And for a long period of time on that Sunday, we didn't really know until Monday morning he'd been to America. We actually thought he'd taken his life that morning. So uh, so we found out on the Monday, thankfully, that he went and, to America. I mean, he obviously didn't have any kind of, even though he had pending cases, he mustn't have had any kind of, he mustn't have been in jail if he was able to travel to America. Because, you, know, oh. you know, so he, like, you basically had a clean slate because they wouldn't let you in if he, if he had been in prison or anything prior to that. Yes, yes, he was, he had no, no record prior to that. No, he was uh, actually, he was working with, uh, he was an electrician and, um he was doing quite well. It's actually quite a, <laughs> not thank me, but he's quite a clever, intelligent young man. And he was doing well as an electrician. He worked with uh, two different companies. And at that time in 2011, 12, and coming into 13, the recession had hit here. And he was actually working with an electric, electrical company who were fitting uh, agricultural sheds. And their work just stopped because the grants had stopped from Europe. And work just, it literally fell off a cliff. So that's mm-hmm. how he ended up working at the diesel. And he was involved in a good relationship at the time with a young girl. And I I think at that time he was about to finish with this, with the diesel and the laundering, because in that game, uh, the people working at the lower end, like Aaron was, uh, tend to, you could have a load of money this week and no money then for four or five weeks. You know, it's 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 a nice enough lifestyle when you have it. You have a thousand pound this weekend and nothing then for three weeks. So and just for those uh, no, because I like I, I worked in the construction industry in, in Ireland and that was more kind of the two thousand six two thousand seven. But it's similar, I know, and around twelve. Like at one stage, yes. Ireland was building like nineteen ninety five thousand houses and then it went down to five thousand. Everybody that's a tradesperson, and that's all orchestrated by the banks. The whole system is corrupt, and everybody yes. that's a tradesperson is basically then just left on their own to fend for themselves. So whether you have a mortgage or just trying to survive, so people then are just—I mean—they they do what they need to do to to get yeah. money. Yeah. It, it, well, as as you said, you've been involved in the construction. The bottom fell out of it, and people are just left. They are left hanging. They're left there, and um, we've always felt that uh, here along the border. Well, I suppose we do feel sometimes we're second-class citizens that we're, we're painted with that uh, and the media obviously are, are, are very much to the fore on that. It suits them to say the South Dama, it's a it's bandit country, it's terms that are used. It's, it's exactly the same as what happened in Limerick with uh, Stab City. Yes. I, I know, actually worked in Limerick for, I don't know, about four years and it was way safer than Cork. And there was, oh, yeah. I'd be talking to people around the world and they'd say, Stab City, and it's like it because the media, the media is corrupt. They basically yeah. tell people what to believe, and they, you know, it's all orchestrated. And unfortunately, they ruined the image of a city by basically saying you'll get stabbed in that city. Yeah, it, it was crazy. So well, I know it, what you mean when you say you've got the same, you're tarred with the same brush on the border. Yes, exactly the same. And uh, South Armagh is thrown in, and they, they use it very, very carefully, and and it's very curated in in the media the way they use it, and when it suits South Armagh and bandit country and border country and that type of thing. And like as I say, as I look out the windows here, I see school teachers, uh, accountants, uh, bricklayers, plumbers. You know, ordinary, ordinary people, and. Uh, we're allowed to be portrayed as this. And again, it suited along the border here to, and it was used very much on, in the, during the course of Aaron's court case. Again, very subtly, but nicely used along the border and how things operate on the border. So we had also that to contend with. And 
Aaron felt at that time in 2013 in April that because his picture was in the paper and his name was being used, he just felt pressure that uh, maybe there was more police and activity and different things around the border. I'm not sure there was actually, but that was the feeling he had and he withdrew into himself for a period of six or eight weeks and a couple of his friends just uh, seen what was happening to him and give him the opportunity to go to America and that's he went to the United States and he made a very good life for himself there and uh, until 2017 when he was arrested and and deported back to Ireland and that in itself is a it's just dubious part of the case but it's something that will be dealt with later on when we get Aaron free Mm. And uh, like, like uh, does he have a child? I think he did. He's a child. Yes, yeah. He was very lucky. He met a young girl, Danielle from Tralee. She's an American citizen, but she's back home in Tralee. And Danielle and our family have been absolutely fantastic. They've stood by us. I don't think we've got we would have got through this without them. And the little boy, Dara, he's four now. Yeah. So uh, Aaron was speaking to him yesterday, a Zoom call, and so. Um, I mean, that must be. That. I mean, it's it's good that he can see, it, but it must be hard because yeah. that's a kind of critical age for the child. You know that his father is actually taken away. So, you know, it's like the child is actually suffering as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 the tough end of it now, because uh, obviously this time of year, well, for, for everyone, I think there's a lot of people suffering and, and they're separated at the moment, but. Um, only for Danielle and our family, like they were the very first to sit up. And this is what we're trying to portray to people because uh, on Garda Corner, the police actually went and told these people in uh, Aaron's, Aaron's in-laws that uh, I was the head of the IRA in South Armagh. I had killed people. I had authorised murders. They told these people and like these people all of a sudden, oh my God, what's my daughter involved in here? Of course, and sat you, unfortunately you start believing what the, you could like unless you've witnessed it i mean i have seen corruption on all different levels and unless you've witnessed it you, you sometimes it's hard to fathom that a police officer can tell a lie or a detective can be telling lies you just assume they would never do something like that but unfortunately yeah. that is not the case yeah that's exactly it and danielle and her family sat around the table and it was actually danielle's brother said hold on a second here dad he says you've met aaron because the parents before they were in new they lived in new york before they moved back to Tralee. so the new aaron that met him and they had broke bread with him they had that and uh and he said listen he says we've met aaron and we know what do you think dad and he says and this is what they told me, like, they know the way Aaron sat and spoke about his mammy and daddy and his sisters and his family and said, no, something not right here. And I remember that journey down to Lee very well. Uh, it was a nerve-wracking day and we just met these people and they listened to what we had to say. And we had a good bit of the information at that time that I've already unveiled on, the, on my vlogs and I went through some of it with the family and said, well... Yeah, that's fine. We'd stick with this, and they have done every inch of the way, and they've been absolutely fantastic. And and really, only for them, you know, because um, people are even here where we live, the community have been fantastic to us. But they're still a little bit afraid of it. Everyone's afraid to to even speak about it. And I think people were maybe didn't want to broach the subject with us. But it's totally different now. Once we've started to get our message out there, the community's been absolutely fantastic. We've never had any issue or any problem with anyone here in the community i was involved with our local uh football club here i was as i said i was honored to be chairman across midland rangers for six years and i offered my resignation at the time because of the newspaper and the media coverage and again that would have been one of the reasons aaron would have uh, he took it very bad it, it's something we will detail uh, i thought i had it here beside me i don't actually I've got newspaper articles where it says Ulster GA official uh, son involved in murder and Aaron couldn't handle that because they're very much GA yeah, family. Yeah, they're that's, touching a nerve. That's, I mean, that's my, no, he loving yeah. his parents and then they attack the parents. They do that intentionally to, you know, hurt yeah. him. You know, it's, yes, as yeah. well as hurting yourselves and, you know, your wife. I mean, it's terrible to be doing these yeah. things. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was tough and we were actually sort of running the social club in the local club at the time, but I went every Saturday night and, yeah, no problem. People, you do have a feeling that people are talking about you, but I presume they were. 
but they've been absolutely the community's been absolutely fantastic and some of the messages we're getting and you know the handshakes there's that little extra squeeze little touch on the shoulder and yeah fantastic and that's what's given us the strength to last this long and then start producing our vlogs to get our message out there so without the local community we wouldn't have been able to seek that uh, from further afield we wouldn't have gone looking for uh, acceptance further afield i think only Absolutely. our community no, no. Speaks like strong. the, the yeah. people around you definitely they lift you up because i mean this is obviously terrible on the whole family but like when when you've got people around you and i i think at the start why people are afraid they know that they can be attacked as well they know that everything is tracked and you know once they then see a bigger kind of community coming together you know supporting you then they go okay it's not as bad but at the start people are afraid they're, they're like they're afraid like even now with the like lockdown and that, people are afraid to come out and say even though they believe like I talk to people and they'll say what I'm saying and everything they're total in support but they're afraid to give a thumbs up or a like because they think that it'll come back to them and so it's the same situation for yourself yes yeah v very much so yeah and it's getting people to do that thumbs up and like and I've even had some of Aaron's friends and say one in particular young man here and he's a very good business it's an oil business and uh, himself and his dad and they would be very straight down the lane but he would love Aaron looked after him very well he, he, this young man had a sort of a drink problem in New York and Aaron would have looked after him and he's home now he's back he's got he's got his family now and he's got a good business and he's cried to me that he he's afraid to go to see Aaron because of the repercussions that would have mm. stopping his lorries up and down the road and so that's that's the level of fear people have and exactly what you say, what you're saying is true. And people are just afraid to just give that thumbs up or a like no, exactly. because the, yeah. Yeah, the repercussions of it. it it's, it's the society we live in now, I'm afraid. And are you being shadow banned since we're kind of talking? Like, because I mean, I know not just me, but I have a circle of different people. And uh, like, because I've got a few podcasts and one is the Polish and I can see this three and four thousand people have seen it. I put up something on this and it's like, you know, 10, they'll show 10, even though I share to 20 groups and I've got like 3000 yes. friends. Like it's, it's impossible. But, yeah. you know, we found different ways of getting the message out. But, it, you know, it's obviously the same for yourselves. Yes, media. yeah. Um, as you know, um, we got involved with uh, Keelan Harrington and going to Ultra Mile. So Keelan's been excellent and structuring what we do. We I just give him the information and, and Keelan structures it. And we do know for a fact that our website was attacked. It was, it was taken down a number of times. And because of the way Keelan has that structured, it's not an ordinary Joe show soap sitting in the sitting room that done it. So it had to be, they had to have a ring fence. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Keelan's shifted things again and uh, yeah, the website's getting fantastic hits and we're creating, hopefully as people will see episodes and bring each phase of the case along as we, as we move forward and hopefully give people some sort of insight into what's happened us on. And like the thing with that is same with us. Like we know when our like I've had a video taken down from YouTube. One of my friends. We know that when they're doing that, they're attacking websites and everything. Because I've had guests, doctors, pharmacists, all their sites are taken off. You know you're doing something right when they do that. Because why would they bother? Yes. You know you're touching a nerve. You know you're obviously you know Aaron has been blimped in the wrong. They're using him as a scapegoat, right. and it, like they don't want this to get out, so they're attacking your website. So that's even though it hurts, it's great to know because you know that. Yeah. They're hiding something. If they're attacking you, they wouldn't care otherwise. They'd have, yeah. they'd have everything ring fenced. They'd have all their ducks lined up. They don't, you know. And I mean, like we'll discuss it now in more detail. All the different things that basically yeah. why I believe from all the stuff I've seen why it doesn't seem right. So you can actually, you know, tell the different yes. things that have come up during the case. Yeah, yeah. These things have they, they've um, given little subtle things with Aaron to try their very best to break him in prison. He's been absolutely fantastic. Again, I know where we get support from. I don't know how he's handled what he's handled and listened to what he's listened to. He's had dozens of interruptions with his um, access to his legal team. This is way back right through his, uh, uh, while he was being held on remand. And even today, uh, I think there's six prisoners on the wing. He's done. He still hasn't got his Christmas stuff and things like that. You know, absolute nonsense. But they're not going to break the Brady's. But I have to say now, we, we were lucky enough to open the prisons for some visits. And we had a visit last week and the staff in Portlaoise Prison were excellent. They were lovely to us. They were very good. 
again, it, it, it's subdued to see at the minute, but it's, his paperwork's been taken, it's missing, and it's 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 unreal, his own personal paperwork, which is privileged. And these people know this, and it's only simple little things, and it's something the public may never know about or never understand. Um, it probably doesn't make, it wouldn't make a lot of difference to the average layperson, but to what we are trying to do, it's vital, and they're trying to break us down, but no, that's not happening. So his spirits are strong. I mean, you, so you got to see him last week. So he, you know, he's he's keeping his strength up. I mean, he must see light at the end of the tunnel as well with what you're doing, because you know, like he's lucky to be honest with you, because not everybody like you're basically dedicating everything, your whole family, you know, to do this. Like, and, and I mean, there might be other situations as well, but you're really putting all of your energy. You know, you're doing a lot of work to do this. Obviously, we we all try to do as much as we can for our kids, but not everyone can do that. And it's yeah. it's it must be giving him some hope that he's actually seeing a bit of light and saying, listen, like he knows himself. So deep down, you know, why why would he accept something that's not true? Yeah, very true. If and we've we've always said it. If if we believed Aaron did have any involvement in this horrific crime, there's no doubt in the world we'd have to accept it. I wouldn't be sitting here speaking to you, Roy. I wouldn't be doing the vlogs. We'd have to accept it. That uh, I I don't know how we'd accept it, but we would have to accept it. Sit quietly, and we would support him as best we could, and uh, we'd we'd have to deal with it in our own lives. But uh, what's happened is totally wrong. He had nothing to do with the murder of Adrian Donahue. He wasn't there. And hopefully, as we talk through the evidence and I give some insight into some of the things that have happened, that'll become clear to the public also. And I know that uh, like, what you want is you actually want the real tri- cr- criminals to be caught because you know, you've acknowledged, you're constantly acknowledging that, like, you know, term- terrible crime has been committed, that you want the, the real perpetrators to be behind bars. Yeah, certainly. Well, obviously, uh, if if the real perpetrators are apprehended, obviously we'll have Aaron home here with us. Yeah. It's as simple as that. That's the bottom line. So we can't look any further than that. We, we had a uh, well, I had a, a a long period probably before Christmas last year where I was almost trying to solve the crime because there's there's a lot of backstories, different gangs, different people that was living in the area, different events that had happened, and. Um, it probably detracted from what we should have been doing was uh, using our defense to attack their prosecution. And we didn't. We, we were very defensive in our defense. And we actually had to change our legal team uh, on the 25th of May. We changed uh, just our solicitors, very happy with our legal counsel, our barristers. But our um, initial solicitors, although very good administratively, very good. Uh, paperwork they weren't prepared to investigate and go and correlate information that i had already given and um, all i can say is the prosecution were allowed to create and curate a story that was at at, at the very best uh, fairy tale a lot of it's fairy tale stuff and they're allowed to get it through court january february and into march and they had set the foundation then for um this inference is all inference and there was actually a friend of ours who warned us about this inference we thought that we would get justice that um, people would see that the witnesses in america were obviously telling lies because of uh, criminal records uh, immigration status uh, all sorts of drug uh, drug possessions and all these people are still in america now this is it's crazy stuff but the the most important everything i've shown the people thus far if they look at the episodes in relation to cctv uh, general descriptions that are actually fact that were totally airbrushed out of the case it's just as far as we're concerned it's horrific it's horrendous and we have to bring that to light and that's gone past now unless aaron gets a retrial and i'm hoping the pressure we can generate from what we are doing here as a family will uh, put pressure on the judicial system to give aaron a retrial trial and all this can be uh, looked at again along with at this moment in time our Aaron's appeal is in and like there's 50 points of legal things that I'm not even touching on at the moment that our legal team are working on along with all the inaccuracies and uh, the make yappy information that was in, in their, their case so um, we just have to be careful and uh, 
go along methodically. We have a roadmap, which I've worked out with ourselves and with Keelan, and we will stick to that roadmap. We'll not be deviated from it. We've had had the trolls who try and generate uh, arguments and say nasty things about you. Faceless people. You, you've seen them yourselves. Of course. Yeah. No, uh, uh, no profile or no history. And yeah, you'd actually Keelan, know by going into their profile. One, it was created you know, yeah. and two, it's obviously somebody, sometimes there's people with no friends and that's how they, you have two things, you delete it yes. or you ignore it. You do not engage yeah. because no. sometimes you do, you try to get defensive, but it never works. All you're doing is work, no. your energy out. What you want to do is you want to move forward to build your case. And by actually concentrating on these trolls, as you call them, you're taking your eye off the ball and you just yes, ignore yeah. them. And in the end, what actually happens sometimes is some of your followers will actually attack them. They'll kind of yes. say, that's what has happened. Yes. Yes. You know, so, and that's important. And just going back a small bit as well, like, I mean, obviously I don't know your first legal team and everything, but just from my experience, I know that a lot of court cases, the decision is made beforehand. One legal team is talking to the other legal team. They agree everything themselves, but the, you don't know anything about it so you don't know like i mean obviously like with the different evidence and everything it was very bad representation which hasn't helped your son so like i mean we we get into some of the points i mean one there was a there was actually a detective witness that had yes described and i mean that's a critical point i think it's a critical point yeah well that from the very start and um I suppose one of the most worrying, the, the worst few days, I think it was uh, just before Detective uh, Joe Ryan was his name. He was in the driver's seat of the vehicle uh, in which Garda Donahue was the passenger seat. They were escorting the cash transit and they attacked from the driver's side. Four, four males came over a wall and um, two of them came to the Garda car. And Joe Ryan said very clearly that the radar was six foot one, six foot, six foot one. And indeed, another um, statement, he said six foot two. And we know he had perspective because there was a second radar beside him. So uh, my son, Aaron, is only five foot seven. And five foot seven, I'm, I'm exaggerating at five foot seven. He's not even five, six and a half, but we'll say five foot seven. So if Aaron had to be the man with the shotgun, it, it would mean that the other... Um, radar was less than five feet so because he had that perspective so there was and we have i was very i was very sick at the time i thought mr ryan was going to come in and try and fudge the six foot one but i i have to say in fairness he didn't but because the way the court case had went we weren't attacking those points we weren't you know i, mean, I don't blame you because like i'm i i have had in, you know, just in Poland and in Ireland, I've had a load of court cases and I've realized how corrupt it is. I've seen judges, you know, straight away that there's judges corrupt, yeah. there's solicitors corrupt and everything. And you don't learn these things till you've actually gone through it. So like you, yeah. you can't be hitting yourself in that because at the end of the day, your legal team didn't do what they should be doing. I mean, that's what they have studied for years. You know, they should yes. have known these things. They should have been hitting these points, but you don't know what be went beyond behind the scenes. You know, unfortunately, yeah. it's very hard to find out these things. But like, you know, no, thankfully, you've got a better legal side um, and hopefully get yes, the case opened yeah. up again. Yeah, hopefully we will. And the problem, to a certain degree, the first wave of... Uh, the legal uh, aspect of it was focused very much on, on the USA and America. These people that supposedly um, Aaron had confessed to and was, uh, there was massive focus on that and it sort of allowed them to get the, the whole what physically happened here on, in January 2013 like um, along with the six foot one there's a blonde woman who's disappeared who's driving the car. Uh, the best the most the best witness uh, a lady a senior credit union worker is looking directly at the getaway car because um she had faced her car out to out the gate to head away and the car pulled in front of her for 57 seconds and she was looking directly at an irish blonde woman and she's been totally erased from the case because they couldn't link aaron to any 25 year old blonde woman now, initially, Aaron's girlfriend, a blonde girl, but she was only 17 at the time. She couldn't really drive, but she was with her family and friends at the time. So, And, and that was initiated on Facebook and some of the newspapers that it was this suspect, which was Aaron, and his girlfriend were involved. 
and then it just took legs and ran and that was the beginning of it the Angardashiakona the police force went down a rabbit hole and totally refused to come back uh, another witness a credit union uh, worker said the raider that uh, another raider attacked her car broke her window and shouted at her give us the I'm going to swear give us the fucking money in, uh, repeatedly and um, she said it was a Dublin accent and it was actually a member of the police force with a Dublin accent who interviewed her took her statement and shouted at her and she agreed yes that sounds like the person who robbed my car and Aaron had no association they couldn't associate Aaron with anyone with the Dublin accent so um, the next part of our, I'm not sure when this podcast can out, but next part, part of our story is we're going to dismantle the fictional gang created and manufactured by the prosecution and Angarda Shiakona. It was actually Aaron himself who discovered some CCTV footage of people who they said were uh, part of the gang. And Roy, it's unreal how they were allowed to in court. I think you may understand this. They just say names and put names out there. And then in the jury's mind, they become gang members, people that had absolutely nothing to do with anything. But it was, I I would have to say, very cleverly done. I didn't understand it at the time. There was certain parts of it which we will bring to light, which I believe that the Angarda Shiakona were actually committing perjury. They were saying that certain things happened on phones that didn't and and showed people's, Aaron's friends' pictures. Oh, it, it was... Very well I mean, done. I've witnessed Very it with detectives here in Poland telling complete lies and catching them out as well. But I remember in Ireland that there was a whistleblower, uh, Morris McCabe, I think it was his name, that exposed right, some yeah. of the crimes. Are you you you're familiar a bit with that? Yes, yeah. Morris McCabe was a member of Garda Shiakona and he was bringing to light um, some issues in relation to guards. Uh, wiping away speed and fines, tickets and all this sort of thing. And he became a whistleblower. And what that man suffered was just horrendous. Uh, he was accused of, I think, the worst thing you can accuse any man of, any man of, is is abusing his children. And through um, sort of a, a health board, TUSLA, here it's called, um, they actually created a file which showed that uh, Garda Morris McCabe was uh, being investigated for uh, abusing his own children, which was totally fictional. Someone had copied and pasted a case and transferred it over to uh, and put Morris McCabe's name on the paperwork. And as far as I know now, I just can't say at the moment for certain, but I don't think anyone was ever brought to book for that. And, it, it's, and it's, I, it's, I think they yeah. actually nailed a rat to his door. Rat to his door. Yeah, you know, yeah, like he definitely, like they were saying he was a paedophile and everything, and he was able to prove he wasn't. But unfortunately, it's like in your kit, you're guilty until you can prove yourself. And these people are attacking in the wrong direction. Like it's basically us telling you no that we should be protected by the law. I mean, even during this lockdown and marches all around the world, you see the police beating the crap out of people. So if you think they've got your back, they're actually, they're loyal to the wrong people. And unfortunately, it's the same in Ireland. Yeah, very much so. And uh, there's been many cases here in Ireland, I suppose I've been in contact with a lot of people and some pe- a lot of people have contacted us uh, since we started our campaign. And it's scary and, and I'm nearly afraid to tell some of those stories because people say, no, that's not happening in Ireland. Like what happened to McBrearty's in Donegal. And, and I, I was guilty of this before we found ourselves in this situation. I had a fair idea of what happened. I had a fair idea how they had attacked that family and through their own representation in a tribunal, uh, they cleared their name. And yet it was all let go, unpunished or unquestioned. And... It's people like yourself, Roy, and what the anti-corruption people are doing. And hopefully, I think we're involved with those people now and we see the good work they're doing and hopefully we can help in in, in any way. But uh, to really bring some sort of awareness, someone has to be held accountable when these things happen. Have to be held accountable. Absolutely. It's just not right. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, it's all around the world. And like, I mean, from the, around the kid, like they have no camera where obviously there's cameras there, but they had no, you know, they weren't able to actually use any of the cameras. Yeah. 
recordings. No, no, no CCTV. Yeah, some of the recordings. Uh, actually, the rec we didn't show it, but there is actually a recording of, of the incident. And it's uh, it, it gives the perspective of the tall radar and the small radar. And um, they've manipulated CCTV otherwise in relation to recognition of cars. And uh, I think some of that went out last night. And people are, are very aware now that it, it's... It couldn't have been Aaron's friend's car that uh, was involved at the burn site and involved in stealing the car that was supposedly supposedly involved in the murder and the robbery. How those things were manipulated and allowed to happen was just like you wouldn't. I think it was Keelan kind of phrased. We need a time machine for the for the actual burning out of the car to happen. It's very difficult. I, I know I've explained it, but um, if someone sees a vehicle passing now and uh, it's already been burned a half an hour previously it's just it's 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 and it got over the lane and the court and uh, and these two sightings had absolutely no correlation no connection uh, the identification of Aaron's friend and suspect day's car it, it couldn't have proved any more clearly it wasn't his car those blue lights, I, I don't know if you remember. Remember the young boys used to have the blue lights in the front? Of, yeah, the witness said clearly, he says it on 12 occasions, that the bright blue lights are in the car. Aaron's friend didn't have that. He said the car was noisy. He, his car was silent. So the car couldn't have went up the little boreen that they said. It, it just it couldn't have happened. And none of that was challenged on the as it went through trial at the end of January and into February. They got through all those witnesses real quick, threw this out that there was a BMW here, BMW there. Like it didn't matter whose BMW it was, it was just a BMW and they got away with it and just kept mentioning and they vilified Aaron's friend. And even our legal team to a certain degree sort of went with that uh, for no no reason. This young man, he was a bit of a jack the lad, but he had a company in America. He had 40, 50 people working for him in America, and he came home during the winter. And this will all be correlated now as we move forward in our story. He had paid $270,000 tax that year. That was his tax. And, and we are expected to believe he's driving around in a £20,000 car committing <laughs> robberies and burglary. No, it's just not. It doesn't happen. No, no. Yeah, people that, that are make. I mean, if you're paying that much tax, you can, you know, add on a lot of money more. That actually, what you want. <laughs> yeah. So we all all that paperwork and everything will become available to the public, and we as we move into the American aspect and some of the things that have happened in America, right, are are just crazy. I know I'm jumping from one to the other, no, but, no, but uh, I mean that's the yeah, it is. Okay. yeah, that's the way it goes. So. They got all this, the storyboard over the lane and they got the jury and the court to believe that Aaron and his friend were involved in burning the car, which we proved is virtually impossible. They got the jury and the court to believe that they were involved in stealing the car two nights before the murder. And the times I've shown last night on our vlogs, so it's, um, there's two times that are virtually impossible. And then they have just run through quickly a one minute drive that takes seven minutes after a car stolen. So you have two cars traveling at high speed and they've just chopped and changed CCTV. We have a journey that takes two minutes and 30 seconds that took 38 minutes. And it was all allowed. I, I actually fast. encourage people and I give the links. I encourage people to look at your vlogs because you're you're basically doing, you know, I've just drove here. It took me X amount of time. They're saying it took 38 minutes. So but just by looking at that, it doesn't add up. I mean, like there's so many things that aren't adding up, even the like the local farmers, because I, I remember you, you mentioning that. In Ireland, they are like when you're in a little kind of town, people are nosy. They know exactly. They nearly tell you what yes. you had for breakfast, you know, and they, they <laughs> you know, they didn't see uh, the, the car burning, you know, it's a. Yeah, it's uh, we have our own. We have a lot of work to do on, on the car aspect of it. And again, it's one of the things that was very subtly done. Judge White just one day said, uh, we'll take it for granted that the car stole. It is the car that was stolen in Clarehead is the car that was used at the murder scene. Oh, it, the actual, the woman who seen the blonde girl, um, and she had the best view of the car, she actually said it was grey. car stolen in Clarehead was blue. 
Was there, was there somebody coming out of the credit union that saw this uh, girl? Is that was somebody that was working? Yes, yes. Do, yes. Did they not have, uh, see, I mean, like all credit unions have cameras outside. So surely there would be something that would have seen. Uh, well, the scene, everything, it's all nearly in silhouette. It's just very poor quality CCTV and no detail. I find it hard for a, a, a credit union. Is, is it that you were told that or did they actually, were you able to actually get, uh, was your solicitors able to get that? Well, we did, we did get CCTV and it was poor quality and we assume that's just the way it was. So there's a lot of CCTV missing and again, that's for another day. There's, um, I think we mentioned uh, in, in on the Wednesday night when the car was stolen, there's massive gaps where there's no CCTV where there should be. Um, if you take, for example, Term Effect, and uh, for your listeners, it would be we're about 15, 20 minutes from Dublin Airport. So it's quite a, an affluent. It's nice. It's a beautiful area and some very nice properties along it and no CCTV along that. No blobs late. Again, if your viewers get a chance and, and see some of the vlogs, the vast majority of the CCTV is just blobs of light. It could be anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just just like that. There, you know, many fingers am I holding up? That's and they're saying two. Yeah, that it's it's crazy. But uh, we we have to delve down, and even the detail we've gone into already, we'll have to dig down into more detail and nearly all those uh, episodes again and break those down again. So um, there's over and, a million and, sheets of paper and 70,000 hours of CCTV. That's unbelievable. And like, there's another thing that I find is a critical part of this is it was a right hand. Did, did he, did your uh, son have something with his hand as well? Yes. In, in the end of November, beginning of December, he had an operation on his right hand. He has pins and plates in his right hand. He would, it would have been impossible six weeks later to run holding a shotgun and hold a shotgun. So that would be physically impossible. And he's actually nearly blind in his right eye. If Aaron was holding a gun up to his face, he would actually have to look with his left eye because he's virtually blind in his right eye. So it's it's just not, we've proven, I think, beyond reasonable doubt, Aaron Brady did not shoot Adrian Dunhill. It's fair, it's impossible. He's not, apart from that, he's not six foot one. Uh, he wouldn't have been able to carry the gun. He's blind in his right eye. And it's just, it wouldn't have been possible. It's not him. And he's not you, know, you were talking about America, like they didn't interview none of his close friends. It was all people that were kind of without the green card. So it seemed to me like they were kind of tell this or you'll be, you know, extradited kind of thing. You know, that, that's yes, the way I'm yeah. reading through the lines, you know, without knowing all the details. That's the way that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, it's uh, I suppose the main witness was Daniel Cahill. There are other witnesses and we'll detail all those and go through all their stories. But Daniel Cahill came and gave evidence and. We were given led to believe that this person came in voluntarily and he was a good citizen and came uh, to give evidence. He was pulled out of an attic in uh, Woodlawn in New York, where he said he was for three hours. We have a whole issue, and again, this had to be broken down and run through it very quickly. American agent, Homeland Security agent, Mary Ann Wade, was very, very evasive while she gave evidence. So we think they arrived at his property sometime around 7 a.m. in the morning, and he didn't arrive into Yonkers Police Station until 1.15 in the afternoon. So we have six hours. That's only a 15-minute drive, and that's given that's allowing stopping for traffic lights and everything. So he was hiding in the attic naked in fiberglass installation. That in itself is a bit strange. There was cannabis plants found. And in the Yonkers report, it said that they were found in a hallway and he admitted during the course of his exam cross-examination that they were actually in his apartment in his office. And then by mistake, Mary Ann Wade, the agent who was uh, handling his case, let slip that there were steroids found. Now, we do have some, a certain amount of information about Mr. Cahill and his involvement with steroids, which will, again, will roll out later on. And... This is what we were dealing with. I, I, I think this uh, illustrates well what we, we had to put up with. So uh, Mr. Cahill had already given his evidence. Uh, Mary Ann Wade, the uh, American agent, came forward. She was given her as evidence and she was very evasive and she let slip about the steroids. And lo and behold, the following morning, the senior investigating officer came to the court with a letter saying, oh, he knew about the steroids. So uh, this happened in, uh, 
July. This was actually physically happening in the court. And uh, this man, a senior investigating officer, wrote everything. Now, we were there for 10 months. I watched him. He wrote everything down. Couldn't be any more meticulous. So his story was that on the 24th of September 2018, he was in, no, I'm sorry, 14th of September 2018, he was over in New York. And the first he had found out about Mr. Cahill and the steroids was he got a report from Yonkers Police Station. He returned back to Ireland on the 27th of uh, September, uh, lodged these papers in the incident room, was writing a report on the 4th of October, and forgot about the steroids. We don't know how many steroids. We don't know if there's one steroid. You would definitely forget about, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So we don't know if there's one steroid, but... I'm willing to say, Lave, I have no problem saying, Mr. Cahill had a quantity of steroids for supply. Now, I stand to be correct in that, and I'll apologize to Mr. Cahill if I'm wrong, but I do believe Mr. Cahill had a quantity of steroids for supply, and uh, it, it was brushed on the table. And Mr. Cahill was, his legal status at the time, it was, the, we, they refused to tell us what his legal status was. He was illegal at that time, and he's still in America. And to give your um, listeners uh, another taste of uh, the, the crazy, there was a mother in Ireland two years previously, a man called Dean Evans, who was uh, admitted and was convicted of the murder of a man called Peter Butterley. And when that happened, uh, Homeland Security arrived at Mr. Cahill's apartment in New York looking for the murderer, Dean Evans. And he's still in New York. He wasn't legal at that time, so that that in itself creates a serious issue. And we have pictures of Mr. Cahill with the mother, Dean Evans, 10 days after, unfortunately, Adrian O'Donoghue, Adrian Donoghue was murdered, and I think 16 days before Peter Butterley was murdered. So you're sitting with the murderer, and these he was involved. These people were involved in the continuity IRA or the INLA. I'm not sure what uh, the 32 County Sovereignty Committee was their official title. And uh, Mr. Cahill led us to believe that he didn't know anything about the murder of Yard. Now these people, I don't care what Mr. Cahill says. These people were speaking about Yard being murdered. Without a shadow of a doubt. So that's what we had to sit and listen with. And this is the thing that I think this hurt Aaron the most, that people believe Daniel Cahill and didn't believe Aaron. Aaron was, uh, give testimony for four days. Very intense uh, cross-examination for four days. And Aaron was just upset that the members of the jury believed Daniel Cahill and his involvement with these people, the drugs. We know he had... uh, a restraining order against people in relation to a machete attack in New York. And uh, there's another very important incident that happened where Mr. Cahill and his friends attacked Aaron, and we'll highlight that, and we'll prove that Mr. Cahill is the liar that I am now saying. Daniel Cahill, you're a liar. You told lies in court against my son. So, and I I stand to be corrected on that, but... Our, our day will come we'll get that across very clearly I mean I, I've been as I mentioned earlier I've been in a, a lot of court cases and it sucks the energy out of it whether no matter what I mean like this is obviously a hundred times different level but just being on the stand being grilled I mean I've had cases where I had sights taken off me and we were trying to get it back and it was like the way the judges are talking to you and this, it's horrible like they just treat you like yeah. you're dirt so i can imagine like for this it it is very tiring and painful and emotionally draining and i not only for your son but for the whole family i mean you're all you know we actually in the court are you witnessing the whole lot as well are you allowed inside yeah yes yes we are there in fact i think myself and myself and judge white with only two didn't miss a day aaron missed a half a day with an abscess but i i never missed a day caroline was there 99 percent of the days uh, she has to look after her mum also. I, I never missed, I didn't miss a day in it. And witness what, and feel a little bit foolish now. I witnessed, I seen what was unfolding. But even right up till the week before, we thought Aaron was coming home. And then the atmosphere just changed. And obviously on the Monday, the verdict of guilty of the robbery came. And then we had the two or three days wait for guilty of capital murder. Like we just never thought it was possible. Even from way back in 2013, well, you know, it'll 
it'll, it'll lay on itself out and they'll get yeah. the people who done it. And, it'll, and then the, he was deported from America. And then we got a brief look at some of the statements and the people who had given statements. And then we very quickly found out about their criminal records, their uh, immigration status in America. Like they should have been on the next flight home. There's two or three of those people who can't come to Ireland for various reasons because of their acquaintances before going to New York. So that'll all be highlighted. And those people, I'd be more than happy to have the conversation with them. But they told lies against my son for their own betterment. And I think I can say without any fear, if they were telling the truth and Aaron had told them these things and um, they had to tell them to save themselves, I, I would understand that. But for them to tell lies, complete and utter lies, and uh, the inaccuracies and everything is just, I can't get angry with them. I just have to deal with it. Uh, there's no point getting angry. We just have to deal with it and go through it chronologically and correlate all the information and show it as it is. And, and I, I think witnessed we'll as well. Did you that? I mean, I've seen that. It's like a game with some of the legal teams and the judges. It's like... Yeah. It's like a game. They just play a game. They're they're going home at night sleeping. They don't realize that they're dealing with people's lives and families. And you can see how they play. And it's horrible yes, yeah. to witness. You know, I don't know what some of these people, they don't have emotions. Just the game. So you must have seen that as well when you were going through such a long court yeah. case. Yeah, we yeah, we seen it and 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 the detectives involved in it. And again, <laughs> this is what we can't understand. Like someone shot their colleague and their friend. It wasn't Aaron Brady and they know that. Like it's, it's proof positive it wasn't. So where do you go from there? Like if someone hurt someone belonging to me or it's like when we were playing football, you know, if the number seven on the opposition is 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 given, is dishing out some, some treatment to your colleagues, he has to be dealt with. You know, that's, yeah. You could be a slight bit late the next time on the number seven. You don't just go and grab a sub and hit him. That's that's not the way life or emotion works or, or that I can understand. I really can't. We, we can't understand it here. And uh, as a family and our friends and our associates that's working with us, and I think that's what the public can't comprehend. Oh, sure, he must have done it. The guards wouldn't do that unless he'd done it. Well, if you go back to the Morris McCabe case, yep. like, who knows, maybe he was going to be exposing something. Like, we, unfortunately, there's a lot of information it'll be impossible to find out unless somebody internally is aware and has a conscience and kind of kind of come out knowing that there's an innocent man, you know, that's currently supposed to serve 40 years behind bars. Yeah, and, and we're hoping as because uh, the likes of the following our facebook and the website and they have to spread out a little further and ask more detectives to become involved to call and contact people i'm i'm hoping because when you're telling lies the more people you tell the lie to the better chance of that lay being exposed and i think because they have to reach out further to try and possibly stop us doing this they're involving more people so and hopefully the story we are telling those people there will be one of them as you say there will be one of them just might say well listen uh, let's let's sit down and have a look at this and see what's happening here and that little bit of information is all we need just to, to start the the ball rolling because it's just a little wedge that's holding Aaron there now and I think I think we can dislodge it and create a landslide. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you're doing, you're putting all the documentation together, you're gathering all the, you know, like, it's not adding up. I mean, if you look at the vlogs and just read all the different things, like you just, you want, obviously, the the the, the family of the murder detective would prefer the actual proper people to be locked up. And, you know, it's just, I mean, they must be, like, they're probably aware with the press and everything, because, I mean, you're getting press, yeah. you know, but obviously not the right press, because, you know, like we see how they they are. I mean, I see it in all different aspects, how the media works. But, you know, it must be hard for them as well, you know, to be actually looking at this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I know they've gone through enough. Uh, what they've suffered is just absolutely horrendous. And uh, just hope that for their sake, 
that their, their colleagues will, uh, you know, come forward and and it would be fantastic to see get a result that the person who did Mother Adrian Donner who was brought to justice for everyone concerned for exactly. everyone and for the good of the the country that's what we need. So we look forward to that day. No, absolutely. Listen, Tony, it's I, I think people now will actually just from what we've discussed, we'll get an idea. This isn't adding up. I would highly encourage everybody to go. I mean, you've got your website behind you. I mean, I put it on the podcast description, Thank you. but you're on the, the Facebook as well. The videos, you just look at the videos and, you know, I even see what your wife as well. I can see the pain. This time. I mean, this is this is hard. I mean, you don't want to be doing this, obviously, you know, but like you have no choice. You, you basically it's your son, no. your flesh and blood that you're actually defending. And, you know, like I can see the pain even in which your wife went when, when you're talking, you know, like, but at the end of the day, all you're looking for is justice and it's the only way. And like, yeah. I really, I'm behind you. I like I've, yeah. I've read through all the stuff. I've seen all the different information and I just, whether you think he's guilty or not, I would encourage everyone look at the evidence, look at the videos you've done. And if you see all the different things, you can make your own conclusion, but I, I think it's not adding up. And I, you know, I think, you know, I hope justice prevails and that your son gets out as fast as possible. Yeah. And and we were aware of all these things as the court case was going on and we were aware of them before the court case even started and we had correlated some of them. And all we can do now is, is I just want the people to um, get the stuff that was in my head until I met Keelan and going the ultra mile. I had all this information. My head was exploding and I just couldn't understand or how to tell the world. And hopefully now, as you say, It'd be fantastic if people just log on justice for Aaron Brady and have a look. All we want you to do is just look at the information we're putting forward. We're not asking anyone to make any decisions. I just want us to have the information and have the whole story, not the bits that was curated and the bits that was put in the newspapers. And uh, We've dealt with some of the information in regards to newspapers. I think the last thing was I went in to speak to guards. There's... Um, I was arrested for intimidation of witnesses. And again, as we unveiled the American aspect of the case, we had no need to intimidate anyone. All we're asking people is to tell the truth. I've never been in contact with any of these people. We just want them to come forward, tell the truth. And we are aware that people were offered, it, it was said in court, this paper was read out in court, an email from Ireland to uh, USA. If they cooperate, keep them. If they don't, deport them. That's what the email uh, we were told the way we that is. in itself is a crime because I mean that's basically yeah do what yeah. you're told and you get to stay there if you don't you're coming home you know so yeah. like no matter what they, at the end of the day they're looking out for their own interest as well not probably yeah. thinking long term of it's affecting the life of not only Aaron but the whole family oh the whole, yes and we understand where those people are coming from we you know we can understand the situation they're in a room they're in a house they're in the back of a four by four with two in new york with two or three detectives from ireland and they're going home if they don't cooperate and that may have something to do with the six hours mr cahill was missing he was in an attic in 70 degrees of heat so that that's just a, a little bit of it um we there's a letter came to the court another witness who said he was put under duress not by the Brady's by the authorities like that that came from his lawyer uh, there is other evidence that from America we have to be very careful with at the moment that proves beyond any reasonable doubt those inducements offered and the judge was very aware of it like he heard it quite clearly but uh, that'll That'll come in due course. Well, sometimes, I mean, I've witnessed because I was in Ireland in the high court for property. I listened to hundreds of cases and I saw full corruption by judges. Judges knowing that there was corruption going on and they just ruled in favor of the banks because they were told to. So, I, you know, we have to be aware that the whole system is corrupt and, you know, you just by you have to basically get everything lined up to prove without a shadow of a doubt that they've got the wrong man. Yes, yeah, and that's what we'll continue to do and that's what we'll show and we will we will show it because we have the evidences there. We have no fears or no doubt about that. We have the evidence there. Aaron Brady's not your man and we, we'll bring him home. 
Perfect. Yeah. And I like I love that your community is behind you and uh, I, Aaron's uh, partner, his parents are behind you. That helps. So like, oh, massive, I think yeah. you're bringing him home to a lot of people that want them home. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, but we have to stay focused and not get derailed by, and we have to be careful. We have to work with our legal team, obviously, but I do believe what we're doing. I know what keeps us sane, but I think it's going to be very important as we develop it and move into the political aspect of it and move and look for politics to look at it. We'll see then. And again, that will be correlated and put on, on, on show for people to see how our politicians react when they're asked to um, again just the same as we're asking the public have a look see if this is right is this justice for anyone is it is, is this the way our country should be so we'll ask that's a very very simple question just although there's an awful lot of information and detail and all those million sheets of paper and uh, 70,000 hours of CCTV a lot of which we can't get a hold of by the way but we will get it eventually because we've been told it's there I have a list of it so it exists yeah, they have to yeah. I mean if the legal yes, team yeah. requests it they have to get it so yeah yes yeah so we look forward to all that um, it will take us probably I, I think somewhere in the region another two to three months to get everything out and then we'll correlate the story and we have a lot of work to do uh, with some of the work the media has done both printed media and rte a lot of uh, a lot of that has to be rebutted and and they have to be checked and and asked why something was presented in such a way and uh, why this wasn't mentioned why that was like all all the these um journalists like the top journalists not one of the mass Joe Ray and uh, were aware that you thought the gunman was six foot one or two. Aaron Brady's five foot six and a half. Uh, how would you explain that? Well, I, that not I like just, just from what's going on in the world. I have, I, I, I think it's a disgrace if you're a journalist these days because there's very few real journalists out there. They're all doing what they're told and they're writing what they're told and playing the game. And unfortunately, we need you know real journalists. Yeah. And that's only a very simple question. It's, it's, he said it. And stand, it's in his testimony. It's in his statement. It's there. No journalist stood up and said, I'm slightly confused here. Uh, credit union, senior credit union worker said there was a 25-year-old woman. But uh, we await for the further arrests. That's, they say they're going to arrest these people and bring them forward. We, we wait it and we'll, we'll deal with that as it happens, if it happens. Yeah. So listen Tony it's been great I'm going to keep in, in contact with you and That's keep brilliant. up to speed and I'll keep the audience up to speed as well so basically justice for for aaronbrady.com is the website that people can yes yeah can contact us there and justice for Aaron and follow all the, the Facebook I'm afraid I'm, I'm not very tech, tech savvy so um, but we're on Facebook and you can go and check all the little vlogs and all the details and I hope the people will understand, even from this interview, you can see how scattergun it is. We move from uh, the things that happen in Ireland to America to some of the things that happen in the courtroom. And it is very scattergun. And please be patient with us. This is why we have to break it down, give it a little bite-sized piece of information, revisit it, review it, and then move forward. And I think we've the foundation now showing that physically it couldn't have been Aaron Brady and his friends, they haven't even got a five-man gang or a four-man and one-woman gang. Those people don't exist. So we're moving into that now. And hopefully that when people have seen the physical evidence and now the real A's, oh, they don't have, Aaron doesn't have, there's no other four people who can be associated with Aaron who could have been there. It's impossible. They don't exist. So, uh, we'll break all that down and I thank the people that are watching us and following us and just please just keep comment comment ask questions please feel free to do so like and share and uh, we're not afraid of any questions we can speak to anyone and uh, we look forward to more visitors to, to our site and thanks to Roy for giving me the time very good to you
And yeah, I encourage people to start following, supporting you. But, you know, I commend you on what you're doing. You know, like brought your family to whole lot of you doing it. So keep the fight up because, you know, we need this to happen because by exposing yes, this. Yeah. So not only are you going to free your son, but it'll stop it happening to other people as well in the future. So, you know, we, we're, we're there for you. We're, we're all being yeah. supporting you. Lovely. Thank you. And uh, I, I, I better thank Caroline and the girls, my two daughters and Caroline have been fantastic. And what do, uh, what doesn't break us will make us stronger. So a very strong family. We're, we're going nowhere. We're going to stay until we get this done. Perfect. So thanks to Caroline, Sonia and Irene. They've been fantastic. And we love Aaron and we're going to bring him home. Lovely. Okay. That's, that's yeah. been great. Thanks so much. Right. Thank you very much. Got a meal of my God. Thank you. That's all for the Awakening uh, um, podcast. You'll find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're on BitChute, we're on YouTube. Be sure to share with your friends. Share this with, with everybody. Tag, it all helps. And until next week, take care. There's a time.